Welcome to Let's Chit Chat Sis, I'm your girl Kimmy, and this week's episode is called The Fourth Trimester. We are graced to have Dr. Patel tell us all about the intricacies about being in the fourth trimester and how we can bring awareness to caring for people of color, women of color, with this crisis situation. So this may be a trigger for some, but we ask you to please join this episode and listen to it with consideration and share it. Thank you. Hey, ladies, how's everything going today? Hello, everything's good here. Everything is good here. We, look, I, my, my line I'll say all the time, we're above ground, so everything is really good today. Um, we have a really, really good topic we're going to talk about today, and we are graced with Dr. Patel. And I'm not going to take the, 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 the role that I used to do, talk about um, just general things, but I just want to talk about, you know, um, her, you know what I mean? And I want you to give us just a backstory, Dr. Patel, about yourself before we get into this topic, because I'm not even going to say the topic, because I want you to tell us about the topic. Oh, of course. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on this platform to kind of um, get this message out. So my name is Sonal Patel. I am a pediatrician. I was further trained in neonatology and a breastfeeding specialist lactation. Um, I'm a mom of four boys. And I like to add that also into that because it was my professional and personal experiences that really showed me the holes in postpartum care that we have here in the United States. So about five years ago, I opened my own home health company where we initially we started off with because um, I always say I made a really amazing pregnant woman. Like I was just like Instagram pregnant woman ready, but postpartum, I mean, I've had everything happen to me postpartum. And one of the biggest things was I had postpartum depression with one and postpartum anxiety with my third. And I'm sitting there with my pediatrician and saying, Hey, I'm having issues. They didn't know what to do with me. And I was kind of just shuffled in the system And I know the system. That's the scary part, right? Like I know the system as a NICU doc. I've seen postpartum uh, women who come and deliver early. And it just shocked me that if I couldn't get the adequate care that I needed, what about other mothers? Uh, It was that simple, just that simple dialogue. So initially we started with more of a focus on the mental health aspect. And then Mm -hmm. over the five years, just getting into it, just realized all the data that we're going to talk about today and just the alarming data that's there. Um, My company is Naya Care. Mm -hmm. Naya means renewal and um, sunshine. It's always my girl's name. (laughs) That's why I named it. Um, I have four boys and um, it's a fourth trimester, specializes in fourth trimester health. That's what we do. Well, as we were just speaking before we went um, into record mode, I had never heard of fourth trimester. It is such a relatable title. Fourth trimester. What happens when we birth the baby? I remember telling my girlfriend this, Dr. Patel, after I had my daughter, um, I think I was probably more susceptible to having another child because my children are 15 months apart. I felt like I had an empty shell. Like I wanted her to be back inside because even though, you know, the ups and downs of being pregnant, but it was just the fact of me being pregnant with her and I felt comfortable and I just felt lost when I didn't have her inside. Of course, I'm caring for her, 
but it was a feeling. And I asked, I said, did you feel like this? Like something was missing, you know, from you? She was like, I think you were depressed. I was like, what? But it was just something I had um, never felt before, of course, because it was my first child. With my second child, I didn't feel like that. I felt like um, probably the anxiety of, I got to get this right with two little kids. You know what I mean? I have to make sure that both of them are protected. They're, you know, they're healthy. Even though at that point, um, I got identified with high blood pressure. And I had gestational diabetes with him, you know, and these things were not being cared for. It was more geared to the baby. You know what I mean? So um, I just wanted to, you know, put that out there. I think is, is this the issue that we, once we have the child, we're in the fourth trimester. Is this the issue that we're more geared to the baby instead of the mom? I, I think you nailed it, right? I think that's how... We as a society have been set up where it's, you know, you're showering the pregnant women. And then when the baby's born, you're like, hey, good luck. Um, Our medical system does that, too, in um, traditional medical systems. And it it differs a little bit if you have midwives and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But you get about 10 to 15 appointments with your OBGYN provider and your midwife provider. But then when you look at the medical system postpartum, meaning after you've given birth, you have one appointment at six weeks and data data is showing that 40% of women don't even make that appointment. They don't value that appointment because they're just in survival mode. So we've created a system where we're putting women in survival mode and not adequately having the support for them. So, yeah. So the fourth trimester is this understanding that for three trimesters, you've actually, your body has physiologically mentally, spiritually changed. And there is this 10 months, I, I never say nine months, because it's really 10 months. Right. <laughs> but you know, it's like, come on, let's, let's be real on that one. Mm-hmm. But then we have this idea that we're supposed to quote, unquote, bounce back, I hate that word. Mm-hmm. And we are not respecting the fact that our body also needs time, physical body, first of all, needs time to we go back to its baseline. So for example, heart rate, your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure is supposed to go down to ensure the most oxygenated blood to your baby when they're inside of you. Right. So that happens for that, that transition happens for 10 months. So the same theory is like, well, why do you think in one day it's going to bounce back up and it's normal? And then that's where the blood pressure issues comes up because sometimes it might bounce back up too high. It might overcompensate and then you have issues there. So the fourth trimester is this understanding that it's not only for babies, but it's also for mothers and both the baby and the mom's health are super connected, just like they were in with the other trimesters after the birth of the baby. Okay. So for example, breastfeeding, right? Like if you've had a C-section, which is abdominal surgery with a baby attached because they rip up your belly with it, you know, <laughs> how are you like, supposed to, you, they do, they're like, Ooh, how, how, <laughs> how are you to successfully breastfeed when you're in so much pain? Exactly. Right. And yeah. I think that's the underestimation of it. And so this idea, and so here, I'll give you guys an exercise. When I say fourth trimester, what imagery comes to your mind? Like, what do you guys think of? Mm, fourth I, trimester. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Well, I thought I don't I don't know why for Tradmaster I thought of like skin to skin contact, so um, a lot of isolated time I guess between the parents and the baby. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, oh, that sounds fun, but nobody told yeah. me about a trimester. <laughs> and, and when yeah. I hear it, I think of rest. Um, I, cause I, I put myself back to when I had my children and, um, you know, the help that was given to me, the care that was given to me by my family, um, is so important. Um, and being that they were, you know, moms themselves and had gone through this, then they understood it. And I'm so grateful to you. And for those who are speaking out about this, because even within our community um, as a whole, as women of color, we think about, you know, slavery time where women had birth and they were right back in the field working. And I think that that um, that thought process carried on with us as as the centuries and the turn of the century came and and, you know, it's like, okay, you can have this baby and just go, all you did was have a baby. So just going back to work and we have suffered for it for so long, um, for centuries. And, um, to think that we are in today's world and have the numbers that we have, um, with the mortality rates for women after giving childbirth. So, um, again, thank you for the work that you're doing for the light that you're shining on this, because it's just incredible and working from an insurance background. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, companies are, you know, have started to give fathers that, you know, paternity leave because that gives them the opportunity, if you're so fortunate, to give that mom the rest that she needs and have that help with the baby for that time period. It really helps. It, it It's really, really significant. So that's what I think of when I hear fourth trimester. I just think of rest. She still needs rest. She's tired. Her body is recovering. You go to the gym, you need a recovery period. So if you give birth, God knows you need a recovery. Well, I don't, I'm going to be honest with you, Dr. Patel. When I heard fourth trimester, this going to sound terrible, y'all. I was thinking to myself, who put that together? Because I don't want to be pregnant no longer than those 40 <laughs> weeks. You know, that's what I thought about. And the reason why I thought about that it's because when I had my children, um, was the total opposite from like Chauncey. You know what I mean? Mine was a constant, okay, check the boxes and make sure that I have everything that the kids need. Um, and I have to make sure that they are healthy because in six weeks, I got to go back to work. Yeah. So I never thought about it, regardless if my head was going in a roller coaster. That didn't matter because, you know, I I needed to do what I needed to do. So I never, when I hear that, it sounds comforting to me that something is going to take place to help this transition between the live birth and getting back to a normal seat in the, in, in the woman's life or the mother's life. And, And I just, I couldn't relate to that. I'll just be honest. I just could not relate to it. Okay, now when I say the word postpartum, what do you guys, how do you guys feel? Sad. <laughs> I think of depression immediately. Yeah, sadness. I, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't invoke good feelings. It I mean, just, I just heard post-anxiety and that made me nervous. I was like, there's more of them? <laughs> depression. <laughs> well, and, and imagine I had a difficult pregnancy with the second one. So I spent a majority of my pregnancy in high anxiety mood. 
in fear mode that I would lose my baby. I would. So then delivery brought some relief, Mm -hmm. but then for me physically became the concern. Now what happens to me? And so I can't, I push through it, but when I look back on it, it it was a tough time. Mm -hmm. So I think, and so that's like the main goal is to let's change that wording. So everyone can understand that every birth, regardless, unfortunately, some women have miscarriages, some women have preterm babies, but every birth goes through a fourth trimester, but it's the postpartum stuff is what we're trying to prevent. That's what we're trying to prevent. We're trying to prevent the depression. We're trying to prevent the breastfeeding difficulties. We're trying to prevent all of that. But if we keep saying it's the fourth trimester, it's the fourth trimester, there's overall understanding, oh, this mom needs rest. It's more about the mom. It's less about the baby. And then when you say postpartum, you just see a woman just falling apart. And that's not fair. So, yeah, that's why I like to do that exercise to just kind of start changing that narrative. It's like, no, every birth goes through the fourth trimester. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds um, just like every trimester, you should accomplish this, this, and this, you know, you should be at this mile marker. I'm not saying mile marker, we're not on a highway, but we should, we should be at this, this point. The fourth trimester should be something normalized where this should be care, a care for um, transitioning um, period as well. And I really hope that, especially this episode goes far to help people bring more awareness to actually have a conversation with their doctor about the fourth trimester. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually had a dad come up to me um, when I was presenting the fourth trimester and he literally said, if I understood that there was another trimester where I had to help my wife deal with this, we wouldn't be divorced right now. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was, Forward as well, and I and I can see that I I can I can totally see where the break would come in, um, because we have a a very um, fairy tale idea of what um, that partner is going to be like after we have the baby, and when that does not happen, that can be a tear or a fracture in the relationship that can never truly be repaired. You might, you know, kind of forgive for the moment, but I could see it possibly coming back depending on that mother's situation after she gave birth. That's that hit home. Yeah. Even me personally that I don't have kids. I'm like, when I hear people talking about having kids, I hear like, three trimesters of like, you're getting big, your body's expanding, everything's breaking your ribs. If I would have known a time where it's like, oh, but you do get that time where you get to chill. Because my mom had twins, fraternal twins, and they're they're turning 17 in a couple of days. And when that woman gave birth, it was expected of her to go right back. I mean, I had never even heard of postpartum when my mom had given birth. And now that I think back, I'm like, she probably never said anything. But I remember my mom losing the weight and the hair and the crying, the hair falling off and the crying. I'm like... Oh, that could have been depression. And we just never, she never said anything and nobody ever approached it. So that's like, I wish somebody would have told me that. Cause I'm like, I, I probably would have been a lot more support for my mother in that time. And I'm like, Oh, I don't think that was there. Well, Dr. Patel, when, when you are using the new terminology, 
or when you're trying to transition the terminology from postpartum per se to fourth trimester, I think Kimmy hit a point when she was talking about a checklist, right? So that what is that checklist within the fourth trimester? Yeah, that's really great. So let me take it one step back and then I'll answer that question. The actual idea of the fourth trimester is actually embedded in anthropology and evolution um, itself. And so this term has actually been around since 1970s. And Dr. Harvey Karp, who is a pediatrician, made it really popular um, in 2002 with the happy baby sleep things, if you guys have heard of that. Yeah. Uh, but the focus, again, became the newborn, not the mom. And so now we're trying to, and ACOG, which is American College of um, OBGYN Obstetrics, they actually in 2018 have started mentioning this word as well with the fourth trimester. Um, so going back to what you said with the checklist, so there is a period of what, what you mentioned, rest. There is a period of rest. We need to recognize that. Next with the checklist is when we allow the woman to rest, then medically and culturally as a society, we're ensuring her health, right? We're going to start ensuring her health. Now, if you want to do concrete medical stuff, when now that we're going to get into the data part of it and with maternal mortality, the thing is, when you look at maternal mortality data, so let's do a little history on that too, so we can get everybody caught up with what that actually means. Okay. And then we can really answer your question to the fullest. So maternal mortality is a rate that is given with um, total, the numerator, the top one is maternal deaths and underneath it is live births times 100 and that's your uh, or 100,000 live births. Mm-hmm. It is a period of time that a woman dies due to pregnancy or postpartum complications. So it's a very specific time in a woman's life that happens. It happens with every pregnancy, like you, you're at risk for the maternal mortality with every pregnancy, um, but it's very specific to that period of life. When the, in the turn of the century, the 20th century, when the industrialized nations were starting to, um, uh, starting to build and starting to, you know, conquer other kind of countries or invest in other countries in whichever way, they realized that there's actually So women's primary role from a biological perspective is to reproduce. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have a mom that passes away, you don't have labor force. It's that simple, right? Yeah, it's just, let's just, it's that, um, I guess, just very simple. And it might be a little crude, but just very simple. Mm -hmm. So then they started using maternal mortality data per country to do a barometer, to do a benchmark of how that country was doing socially and economically. So now when we when we talk about maternal mortality is actually a barometer of seeing how that country is doing overall and where the problems are and how to fix it. Um, so in the United States, um, we suck. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, it's just simple. We are one of the leading industrialized nations, but we have the highest maternal mortality rates, and which is really scary. Now, when you actually look at the data too, 22% of women are of those maternal jets. So the absolute number is about 1200 right now. Mm -hmm. And 22% of those deaths are occurring in the 
pregnancy, so first, second, and third trimester. Mm -hmm. And this is a scary part. The rest of them are occurring after you give birth. And 17% of those deaths are occurring the day of birth, but 50-ish, 52% of them, so a good majority are occurring in the first 42 days. And that first 42 days is the numbers that they used to compare with other countries too. Now, if you think about the first 42 days, that's six weeks. A woman doesn't get her appointment until that's six weeks. Right. You know, and so we are not having those checkpoints. So now when we think about pregnancy, those 10 to 15 appointments, well, you get an ultrasound, you get blood work done, you get to be with your OB checking up with making sure that your health, you get tested for gestational diabetes, Uh you have built in check marks to make sure that that pregnancy is going well for mom and baby. Right. That's what we need. And that's what we're trying to advocate for in the postpartum is to have check marks for women. So ACOG has come out and said, okay, here's the algorithm. Mm -hmm. The issue I have with it is not the algorithm. Again, it's putting onus back on that mom to get the care she needs. Instead of us stepping up and saying, no, we are going to reduce all these barriers to help promote the care that you do need. And let's recognize where you're at. So that's the only, that's the issue I have with it. Okay. Um, so the checkpoints are, so like for a woman, he's like, okay, what can I do today, right? First of all, don't underestimate the fourth trimester. It is life-changing in so many ways. Right. For, you know, forgo that, forgo that $800 car seat or that and invest in, Invest in yourself and services that will help you make sure you get the rest that you need. Um, I think, Jaslyn, you mentioned doula services. Doula postpartum doulas are, are amazing. They're helpful. Instead of on the baby shower registry, instead of the another onesie that's on there, maybe as sisters and women of the womanhood, we start contributing to that kind of service instead, mm-hmm. right? To help with that. And so now you have help for yourself when you are, um, when, when you deliver. Um, so I kind of divide it up into what you can do personally and then what the medical community can do with the checkpoints. Again, services that it's temporary, but services that you might think that will make yourself easy. Mm-hmm. Now, people who are coming over to help you, we women, for some reason, we are scared of asking for help. But when we start giving the permission, it's like, oh, yes, I can help. And I always say, just just thank them later on. Put a list of what you need. Do I need the dishes done? Do I need the laundry done? Do I need the dog walk? Do I need the mail put up? Okay, this is trash day. Do I need to put the trash out? So someone who comes over, because we actually want to come over. This is what I realized in my, even with my mother-in-law, she wanted to come and help. But I was the limiting factor because I just didn't know how to ask for the help. And pride, mm-hmm. of course. Okay. So put a, yeah, put a list up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and pride is a big one because we look at what our mothers did or our mother-in-laws did or the women before us and trying to compare and put ourselves to their barometer. You know, they, you know, they had to go back to work right away. We don't look at it sometimes of what they had to do versus, you know, what should have been done. Mm-hmm. And so asking for that help is a huge part of it. Um, Even for those that don't really quite know what they need help with, 
if you just start out with the chores and things that you have to normally do versus resting, that's a, a simple ask right there. That was good. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, a friend of mine um, uh, was telling me that one of her friends just gave her the first day she came back, like 25 gift cards to different food places. Uh-huh. And she was just saying that like in the middle at two o'clock in the morning when she was just in her most lowest, she ordered her pizza for herself and she didn't realize what that value of the $25 yeah. was, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like simple acts like that. It doesn't have to be a big blown act. It's just simple, tiny acts that can help. Um, and then medically speaking, I mean, we know that going back to maternal mortality, we know women of color, especially African-American mothers, are three times higher risk of those risk factors. They are dying more compared to other populations. And so first of all, it's really to, and unfortunately, sometimes you have to advocate for your health. If something is not going right, you know your body the best. You do. Women's intuition, it really is, um, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. So speak up and keep speaking up until someone finally can hear you. Um, And it's hard. It's hard because we are, we haven't come to that level as a medical community and we're trying as well. Unfortunately, the whole system's a big mess, (laughs) but we don't need to go into that. But first of all, just if you know something's not right about you, just say it. Okay. Just be like, this is not right about you. And then the other thing is if you actually look at the data for African-American women, what they're dying of is cardiovascular risk. Mm. Oh, wow. Wow. I think her connection. Yes, freezing. Wow. Oh, freezing. Wow. That's the best part. That was a bomb. Do you have a number for her to text her? No, I'm just going to. That was scary. Doesn't, mm, that could be stress. That could be. That could be a lot of scary stuff. I'm going to call my mom and apologize after this. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but you know, you know, she, she'll come back on. You know, um, until she comes back on, when she said heart disease, I, I just can tell you, a lot of times it's not the um, simple fact of feeling like, okay, my heart is skipping beads and things like that. Heart disease can give you other signs, like People don't notice because I know I have a, um, I see a cardiologist. You can feel dizzy. Oh, yeah. And dizzy is a big red flag to, you know, don't let them keep saying, okay, um, you know, what is it? Chauncey, Jasmine, in her ear. Is not vertical. Be your heart. Because if your heart is, if your one of your valves is not like doing what it's supposed to do, that's backwashing, back blood going back, go up to the head, and you feel dizzy. You know what I mean? So a lot of people that's miss little things. things as the high blood pressure and you know, silent. That's silent. That's going to get you. I'm telling it, you, it leads to a that pork chop. Don't tell them. Don't, don't be sorry <laughs> when you ate that pork chop. I'm I'm serious. Like I, I know you. I say it to him all the time. Mess around and you're gonna find out because you 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 don't you you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be like okay. I just, you know, I feel fine while your your crap is sitting up at 200 over 250. You know what I mean? And, you know, um, 
yeah, that's that's it's just some some signs. And like I was saying, when I was pregnant with Jose, I had gestational diabetes. You know what I mean? Oh, and people were asking me, "Oh, do you do you keep it big or something?" I was like, "Nope, I gained twelve pounds with Jose. Twelve. Well, you drank that bomb, and then you left, and we were like." <laughs> I'm sorry. And you're going I don't know back. <laughs> no, this happens. This happens, you know, because look, we're depending on the internet. So guess what? Yeah. You know, yeah. First, I thought it was mine because you know I don't know what Comcast been doing over Sorry, Comcast, but um, I've been having problems. Oh, it's probably me. <laughs> yeah. yeah so I was like, wait, I just got off. So okay, so hopefully that doesn't happen again. It's all right. It's fine. So, um, yeah. So okay. So I will repeat that. So one of the risk factors for African-American mothers dying is cardiovascular risk. So blood pressure machine. I mean, it's a simple buy, get it from there. And if you, you can monitor it yourself and if there's any issues with it, just inform your OBGYN provider and say, hey, I've been kind of monitoring my blood pressure and, you know, it's I'm kind of concerned with it. And then they can help walk you through it. So those are come kind of Supple, couple of simple steps to start off with. Do you think, Dr. Patel, um, and I've often wondered this working in the industry, the turnaround time on delivery and sending a mother home? Um, it used to be, you know, back in the day, women were in the hospital five to seven days after giving birth. And so um, that's the kind of care that they received for them and the baby. And then they were sent home. And then we got to a time period where it was two days. You know, you had that baby on Friday, Sunday, they were sending you home. And there was a short period. I remember when I first entered the industry about 30 years ago, it was a day. If there were no oh, my children. Yeah, there were no complications. And depending on where you lived, they turn around and they send you home within the day, within 24 hours. They went back to the 48. But when I think about that, you go from five to seven to two to one back to two. Unless, of course, you have a C-section where it will give you a few more days. But do you think that that could also help with um, some of what's happening with the fourth trimester? Oh, of course, but we've gone too far with the insurance and legislation to get back to that. So the change was that in the 1990s, the legislation, what happened was all these insurance companies initially were nonprofits and legislation got passed that they could actually become for profit. So with that change in mindset, that's when you saw those one day deliveries. And it was actually what was happening also on the medical side of it, that kids were coming back in for jaundice reason, breastfeeding reasons, and maternal issues as well. And so they actually had to pass a law, a national law that mandated insurance companies to have two days after vaginal delivery and three days after um, C-section. From the wow. insurance company's standpoint, when you look at what's expensive is hospital care, right? And so hospital care, one of the biggest chunks is women having babies. That's where hospital care is. And so those were the stuff that had happened and where you saw that up and down. Like I said, unfortunately, we're in this insurance world that I don't, you'd have to pass a law again to be like, this is mandated for you. Um, and so that's that was the reason that you saw it. But I mean, definitely this the five to seven days and 
was just care for the mother. And it was ensuring better breastfeeding. It was ensuring just her health and capturing any issues that would have happened with her. Within the closer you are to birth, hemorrhaging is the number one reason that women are dying also. So if you are actually leaving within 24 hours after birth, you might not be getting the right education to check on yourself. Not even know the symptoms or what to look out for, or and then even if you're told what to look out for, you're concentrating on a newborn and trying to tend to them, and you're going to forget about yourself because now your concentration is on this little person who just arrived. I could totally understand. So let me ask a question, Dr. Patel. What can we do to bring more awareness? What do you envision happening to bring more awareness? Now, I know you have a great book out, which yes. I'm an avid reader. All of us are sitting here. Um, but this is like a step right here, of course, a podcast. But we want to go a little bit further. Like, what else can we do? It may be something localized. What can we do to bring more awareness that you envision? Because you spoke about laws. That's laws need to be changed. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think that, as you said, we're our biggest advocate for ourselves. You know what I mean? How do we get this awareness out um, because I know that I want to dedicate this platform to bring more awareness and it could be just little things we can do a, a fundraiser or something like that something that helps you know what I mean bring awareness so I just wanted to just put that out there do you have anything that you think that we could just start to because I think that the way a movement happens is when we do subtle changes that we commit to you see what I'm saying? And by that, you know, this is a one step. But after you're off this episode, what can we as, you know, as women of Let's, Let's Chichesis do to keep this momentum going? Yeah. No, first of all, you've already nailed it. This the awareness and education. And really, but actually sitting with both of you who are grandmothers, I mean, that's really powerful because you're coming to this space saying that, not saying that. Oh, but we did it this way because I have a couple of grandmas that do that. It's like, oh, we did it this way. But then when I come to the homes, because I do home health visits, they are recognizing it's like, I wish I had this. Right. Right. And I think just even you guys being grandmas, even if it's your daughter or your daughter-in-law to recognizing that, oh, my goodness, this is this is what we went through. I don't want anyone to ever go through this let's kind of change that system. So it kind of individually starts with you and then also individually starts with the generations that's above us to help like jazz on the generations that's below us to be like, okay, we are trying to create pathways that you get comfortable with birth, right? You get comfortable with your health and how you advocate it. Now for kind of fundraisers, I mean, Mother's Day is an amazing time to kind of do something with the awareness of it. And if you do have a pregnant woman at that time to have like, for example, small baby showers that are more geared for service, not Mm. the materialistic kind of stuff. Um, If the woman's having a second or third baby, give her a baby shower where uh, we did this for one of our friends. We actually went to Costco. We got tons of food and we just meal prepped for her. And what we did was we, um, so as, uh, the, as her friends, we came and we meal prepped for her and we actually each got a couple of, we got four Ziploc bags of, for ourselves to go home. So that was really beautiful to do because she didn't need the items, right? She didn't need another carrier or another thing. 
she needed help in the fourth trimester. And so we, we kind of changed the baby shower rules for it's like, I, we don't care if it's your second or your third, but let's kind of do something to support it. Now for the fundraising part of it, just to do something more on that type of level, mm-hmm. um, I, I am the co-executive director. So Michelle Haggerty and myself, we have opened, um, we have launched a national nonprofit that's physician led. Michelle mm-hmm. Haggerty is a family medicine physician in uh, Minnesota. There's about 15 physicians that are doing the physical work that we are. There are a literally a hundred more physicians learning what fourth trimester care is and incorporating that into their own practices um, as we speak. And we opened two years ago, we had an amazing conference in November, but it's for us is also to teach the medical community what this is. And our fundraiser, so it's a nonprofit, so if you'd like to donate to that, to create more of the medical systems that we need to actually change it. So that's what the piece is missing. There are medical systems there, For example, there are federally funded programs that do some home visits. However, it's there's always requirements for it. You have to be like a first time young mother and that's like your nurse partnership visits Mm -hmm. or you have to be very low income African American mother. Um, You have to be an indigenous mother. But we are just spotting it. Right. We're not creating. Uh oh. Again. Ah. Lost her again. I'm wondering if um, I know, and it's so hard on the podcast. Sometimes it's the video that causes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It causes the yeah. delay. And everything. It happens to me on my team's calls at work. <laughs> I know, but they funny though. Cause when you, <laughs> you see them, you'd be like. <laughs> you see, I am not. I'm so sorry. I am not sure what's going on with my, so we'll do it this way. (laughs) (laughs) I just shared with them. Sometimes it's the video. (laughs) Yes. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So (laughs) I'm trying to connect again. I'm just going to say no. Well, what I'd like to see is, I mean, when you get time, Dr. Bill, if you can send actually a link to, to, um, yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of readers. I'm like, after we get out of here, I was gonna go look for it because I'm like, girl, I have my book. I'm learning so much stuff that I'm like, you know, even though I don't want it, my sister-in-law just had a baby, and a lot of the stuff yeah. that you guys are saying, I'm like, this woman won't ask for help. Like, I'll do as much mm-hmm. as I can, but that list stuff, like asking her to just make a list, that's a very non-confrontational way of just make a list and I just come in and when I'm, I'll do what I have to do and then I'll leave. Well, what I love is Dr. Patel, your website has a quiz. How ready are you to bring baby home? I just, that I think kind of covers a multitude um, of areas. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited about reading more. I am too. And learning more about um, your organization and um, your nonprofit and the programs that you're working with. Where are you based out? Where's Naya Care based out of? Uh, we're here in Denver, Colorado. And, okay. yeah. and so in May, when our directory goes up through the nonprofit, there are going to be on there. You can search for physicians in your area that are kind of doing the work. And right now it's kind of pockmarked everywhere, but hopefully within a year or two, there's just going to be a lot more physicians on there um, that you can choose from. Yeah. 
That's well, amazing. what I would like to do is go ahead, Chauncey. Sorry. No, no, I was just saying it was amazing. And I'm, I know that we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs that listen mm-hmm. to our podcast and participate with us. And I, the question that I would have would be, um, sometimes those entrepreneurs are looking for, um, looking to invest in programs and participate. Um, what kind of background, other than being um, maybe an RN or a, an MD, would they need to have to maybe get within your your network or your directory to expand it to other parts of the country? Oh, definitely. So it's uh, though it's physician led, we collaborate with everyone who's interested in this space. So our members are range from doulas to mothers. So you can be a member of this program um, awesome. or to our thing. So it's it's open for membership. It's not that expensive in, in terms of membership. It's $100 um, for a year. And then you get the benefits of whatever, what all comes with the membership as well. So there's no, it's just that it's a physician-led organization, but our members consist of everyone. And the reason we wanted to create it was we wanted to bring everyone that was in this space under one umbrella. So we have our board consists of OBGYNs, um, pediatricians like myself, family practice docs. We even have a PMR doctor, a pain doctor. And I think Kim, you had mentioned earlier about that birth trauma that occurs Mm -hmm. and it's underrecognized. And so when we want to, when we wanted to create this, it's like, nope, let's just make it 360 and we're going to go through it. Um, Lactation, doula, chiropractors, acupuncturists, anyone who works in this space and wants to change it and figure out how to change it, um, we just have to come together to figure it out as a society how to do it. I've talked to and I've had yeah, I've had family members who are part of like a social work, neonatal social work organizations as well. So I'm sure that that would um, kind of fall under that umbrella as well. So that would be wonderful. Yeah, definitely. And what, and what I would like to do is um, in a couple months, you come back and yeah. We and, and I say this because we should always be able to track progress. You know what I mean? What we have, you know, um, learned here, it might be our next season, the beginning of our next season, where we've tracked what we have done on this end to be able to give um, some insight as well as you give us some insight of what progress, because we're not going to settle for anything but progress in this right. space. So right. um, I think this was an awesome, awesome educational, um, enlightening and empowering episode. And and I say um, educational because you did give us the fundamentals. You gave us the analysis. um, You also gave us the the percentages and the data to go by to be able to do better. You almost got me. If you would have got me just a few (laughs) more years, I would have had a baby in there. (laughs) I was like, oh, if if I would have known it was like this, I would have definitely jumped on that. It's too late now. But that would have been, you know, even now where I was telling her to plug the book and all that stuff is because we don't know who's pregnant, who's planning, who's in the middle about to give birth. I was thinking about bringing, I have a family member that's a doula. We might do that next season because, you know, we just, we wanted to be, I'm so tired of people when you say doula. And you see an African-American talk about them having a doula. People are like, and and I'm like, this isn't something that should be so shocking. Like, we should all be able to think of like, hey, I'm having a baby. Let me go get a doula. Let me go find this out. So I plug that book up, girl, because I want to get that today. <laughs> <laughs> so um, oh, yeah. 
anybody have any final questions or um, anything you'd like to say? No, thank Patel? you for your statistics, Dr. Patel. I mean, they Absolutely. were, were heart-wrenching, hard to hear, but also not surprising. Um, but, but thank you because it, it brings it to the forefront, because again, if we don't talk about it, we, there's no way to address it. And so, um, it will be in the forefront, you know, like you said, I, I'm a mother and I am a grandmother of girls, you know what I mean? And they are preteens. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you blink and 10 years have gone by, at least in my world. <laughs> so um, I would, would definitely love to be armed and ready and, and have the information and know that it's available to them and just share it with everyone that we know. And again, we, we have friends and family that are in the industry. So, um, you know, the medical, the, the insurance, all of that, I, I know doulas as well. So um, thank you so much for sharing this and um, coming on. And I can't wait to have you back. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I, I mean, thank you, honestly, to give the platform. I was telling Jaslyn earlier, it was so disheartening when it, you the actual these numbers get released and there's like a blip in the media and then it goes away. And then you're just sitting there and you're just like, oh, my God. So when I did the TEDx talk in September, the number was like twenty three point eight. Um, was the rate. And in March 2003, so just about roughly nine months, it's close to 32. It just keeps rising. And wow. it just, it's always like just a little blip on the news media, which really frustrates me. Yeah, they, so, it's like two seconds they make it, they make it. And your website is nayacare.org, correct? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. That's N-A-Y-A-C-A-R-E.org. Yes, yes. And the book is The Doctor in Her Black Bag, since I do take the old-fashioned medical bag <laughs> home. Um, you can find everything through the website. And then the nonprofit is c4tc.co. Um, everyone is welcome to become a member on there. We really need everyone's help and support and manpower, woman power to really move and shift this conversation and create that movement of, of caring for mothers in a better way. So thank you. We will definitely get our support. And like I said, we will be able to show what we have done even in this localized area, because um, we live near a major metropolitan city and Chauncey is actually in it. And the rate there for um, this issue is great. You know, it's great. And and maybe because we look at things in an aspect of, well, maybe that's just a a problem of the impoverished person. No, it's not. I mean, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong, because it is a big issue there. But it's an issue overall. And I think that you brought so much awareness to it. We would not be right if we did not grab the torch and run with this. Because like we said, we all have somebody. You know what I mean? And our kids are going to have somebody. And this 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 pattern is just like you said, it's getting it's getting higher. And that's an issue. So uh, we have all your information. We will definitely yeah. post that with this episode. Um, I thank you again. And we will definitely. Can I end on one note? Hold on. So just I wanted to end oh. on what you just said, Kimmy. So I intentionally do not present women who are lower socioeconomic issues because everybody thinks that. 
Yeah. But if, please check out Serena Williams' um, mm-hmm. story. It's been on Vogue. It's on CNN. Dr. Chansey Wallace is someone that I highlight in the doctor in her black bag, African-American pediatrician who lost her life two days after giving birth from preeclampsia. And so my intentions always is to present higher socioeconomic women to do the point that you were. And I know we can talk more, but I, I think that point is you just nailed that so well. It's Thank very you. important to know. And I think um, Judge Lynn Toller, she lost a daughter-in-law um, uh, shortly after delivery as well. So she and her son are, are in the fight as well. So um, yes, it's just not, you know, low income people. This is happening to all of us and we have to fight back. So when you end up, and I'm going to end this lightly. So when you end up on um, the Tam show or you end up on um, Kelly and uh, and her husband now, make sure you tell us because we're going to come with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. I would love that. I, I have like, the well, TED Talk app. So I'm, 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 right I'm like, sign my book and then we can go and do our little thing. Because we're going to be raw on over here. So we're going to go with you. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Thank, Thank you, everybody. So and this was a great, great episode. Make sure you uh, check us out every Wednesday when we have a new episode. I'm really delighted with all my co-hosts today. We did a phenomenal job. So everyone has have a wonderful week on purpose. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Take care.